After the election, we watch the supermoon rise over the Rincon Mountains for Terry Acevedo. The mountains are burning and we cannot sleep. We light candles at the grotto where daughters toss the dark braids of sick mothers at Guadalupe's feet, where fathers pin photos of the stricken for slivers of miracle uphill from the mission's dome white dove catching sunset's wishes in sky as bioluminescent as plankton in the sea of Cortez. We breathe the dust of conquistadors who must applaud these election results, caught in the tyrant's clenched teeth, calling hate from under the cracked sidewalks of the despised poor, who believe in promises thin as light disappearing at our feet. The mountains are burning out of control, flames higher than our dreams of peace, eating pine trees, the hearts of deer, flames higher than the orange-faced despot's rhetoric of fear. At Hillcrest we sit on concrete, losing heat to stark dark, taking desert in its irrevocable mouth, sit stunned despite the stinging bites of the fire ant colony, skittering up our invading calves. We cannot sleep, see the huge yellow corona crowning the birth of our moon closer to earth than it's been since our own births, more than half a century past. We wait, women holding tight our arms against news that darkens daily, against the crisp flap of white sheets, the sneering narcissist chorus recounting rapes on TV. There is nothing else to do but lean against one another's sorrow, our disbelief. We've left our candles of hope burning in the maw of the grotto below to witness the balm of moon rise while mountain slopes turn inferno, sending contrails of smoke to choke twilight's last blue song. Oh, moon, you are so late, grinding up slow behind jagged rincon peaks, backlit with enough gleaming milk to feed thousands of refugee children, hunted like rabbits by our border guards. Have you heard their small bones cry sleepless in detention cells? We watch wildfires more immense than our nightmares consume miles of ridges, burning past our history, as the super hunter's moon blesses supplicant cacti, offering thorns to heaven. Closer we lean into our shivering, until a blizzard of crushed diamond light breaks screaming white, blinding us, cauterizing our battered hearts, rejecting the nuclear wasps of power and revenge hissing from the tyrant's tongue.
The moon's perfect snow glows sharp as an arctic blade, slicing open our hopeless arms, baptizing our faces with reflected light. And we know no tyranny can long last under such scrutiny. Even in dark, doves breathe, nestled in sparse mesquite leaves. We recall the canyon wren, displaced, roosting in the mission's adobe eaves with angels that have flown for centuries, moon-dazzled, drizzled by light, bouncing from solar storms translated in their genes. Moon's ice-white chin lifts for Venus. Mica glitters each of our steps over volcanic rock, past the grotto's knotted prayers for compassion, past our long-burning candles, navigating treacherous gravel, the color of winter fields, taking us home beyond any terror or grief. From the studios of KPFK Los Angeles, Pacifica Radio, welcome to Poets Cafe. We're here with Pam Yushuk, political activist and wilderness advocate. Pam has howled out six books of poems, including Crazy Love, winner of a 2010 American Book Award, as well as her latest collection, Blood Flower, published in 2015 by Wings Press. She's won multiple prizes, including the 2011 War Poetry Prize from Winning Writers and the 2010 New Millennium Poetry Prize. Pam is an associate professor of creative writing and editor-in-chief of Cutthroat, a Journal of the Arts. Which brings us to this formidable anthology. Uh, You and your staff have edited Truth to Power, Writer's Response to the Rhetoric of Hate and Fear. I came across a really interesting quote. I know you have a quote from MLK (laughs) in the beginning, which is also Mm -hmm. very powerful. Uh, But I saw this, and it, it drew my attention to the anthology in an interesting way. It felt so relevant, actually, to the Times. It's by uh, Elie Wiesel. Mm-hmm. Okay. He's a Romanian-born American Jewish political activist, a Nobel laureate, and also a Holocaust survivor who said, Wherever men and women are persecuted because of their race, religion, or political views, that place must, at that moment, become the center of the universe. Yes. Yes. Um, we're really at the center of the universe right now mm-hmm. uh, with so many issues. And I'm going to ask you kind of a multiple thing. How did Truth to Power <laughs> come about? Uh, what kind of momentum did it have? And and what do you hope it, it brings to others? Well, um, to begin with, the anthology started with my frustration over the election, and Mm -hmm. it was that simple. It was that, that was the kernel. I could not believe the election results. Right. Uh, I was shocked. Uh, I was not only shocked, but we were working on our regular print edition of Cutthroat, a Journal of the Arts, and I turned to the poetry editor, who is also my husband, William Pittroot, and I said, we're not going to do the regular issue. I want to do an anthology. I want to I want to do an anthology of responses by writers to this election because I want to know what people are thinking. And I want to give people a venue 
for their expression at this time because I think it's really necessary. It's, it's utterly necessary for our country. Mm-hmm. Um, we're shifting direction. We don't know what's going to happen. Uh, the rhetoric during the uh, the campaign was so hate-filled and um, so disturbing, and, uh, and we could see on the rise uh, xenophobia again and racism and homophobia and um, making fun of people with disabilities publicly, you know, these kinds of things that we thought were going away in our right. society. Which is not only <laughs> national, but global. But global, yeah. absolutely. Because and of, and being very disturbed yeah. by this. And, and my husband said, yes, of course, of course that's what we're going to do. And, and that's what we did. And so I started writing uh, various writers that I knew. And the response was overwhelming from these wonderful writers like um, Rita Dove sent us seven poems right away. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was no hesitation. People just, and it poured in. The Rita word Dove, poured in. For our listeners, uh, was the U.S. Poet Laureate. Twice. Twice. Twice she was right. Poet Laureate, and one of the few African American women Poet Laureates. Yes. And then Martina Spada, who runs Curbstone Press and teaches at Amherst, and, and one of the great um, Hispanic voices of the 20th and 21st century, sent us a whole a bouquet of poems also, mm-hmm. and Natalie Diaz, and Joy Harjo, yeah. and uh, the great Native American writer, and so many people, um, and pe- poets who could not write poetry at the time wrote letters. Rick Bass sent us a letter, I a love beautiful. That articulate letter. Yeah. Pam Houston sent us a letter that will break your heart. Oh, God, <laughs> yes. Uh, we had Pam mm-hmm. Houston on the show mm-hmm. before, and I did read that, and it did break my heart. Mm-hmm. Um, this anthology mm-hmm. is a tremendous compilation of views and expression, and mm-hmm. it's not, uh, absolutely not, uh, just for poets. No. Not at all. There are all kinds of pieces in here. There are short stories. There are essays. There are memoir pieces. Pam Houston's is a memory of her own uh, sexual abuse by her father and the uh, the legitimizing of uh, of rape uh, during the election was horrifying. Horrifying. Absolutely horrifying. And so we had to respond to this. And and writers respond in the only way they can. That's with words, not with guns. Right. And, um, And our whole idea was to create an anthology that would promote love. Mm-hmm. and kindness and to would speak to these issues that were raising their ugly heads again. Right. The legitimizing of white supremacist actions, you know, these kinds of things that were so disturbing. Um, and the, it, like I said, the response was overwhelming. And I'm so grateful to all of these writers who contributed their work. And you turned it around really quickly. It's oh, <laughs> crazy. It's <laughs> kind of Olympic <laughs> record for anthologies. Um, it's yeah. phenomenal. Uh, and, mm-hmm. and the quality is just uh, incredible. When I think of our listeners, too, I know there are a lot of people out there that have had uh, breakups in their family and difficulty mm-hmm. talking about different mm-hmm. issues in which they mm-hmm. disagreed and during this very highly uh, inflammatory and uh, uh, challenging uh, period before and after the election. And so this book is really a way to connect, I think, Mm -hmm. with 
people who are able to mm-hmm. articulate their feelings on these different subjects and can be even a door for sharing and opening, mm-hmm. you know, up. Oh, so we have, we have poems in here from students. Mm-hmm. We have, it's across the spectrum. There are poems in here, but there's a poem by Fiona Martin. It's the very first poem she's ever published in mm. her life. Mm. And so it isn't just a, a, an anthology of famous writers. It's a real mix. And what we, as I said, what, what we hope to do is what, what Joy Harjo likes to say is uh, turning slaughter into food. <laughs> so we have a banquet here. Right, we do have a banquet. And, you know, um, there's been a lot of conversation of what went wrong in the whole democratic process. And uh, actually, mm. there's a poem which speaks to that. Maybe we could share that one uh, okay. called Choice by Joseph Ross. Oh, and Joseph Ross is an interesting. He teaches in a high school. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, we have such a variety of poets. And Joseph is also a gay poet. Okay. Um, and his poem, uh, Choice. His voices, right. My ballot blocks my throat, making it painful to sing, speak, even cough. I always thought it would be enough. Now the torn skin must speak. The wet wound must sing its protest. We must find the streets again, our human chance. We must insist with our throats raw, our lips unsure, our neighbor citizens have eaten a rotten fruit. We did not love them out of it. We did not listen with our hands. We did not confront our deepest sin when we spoke it. We have swallowed a page from a discredited book, a lie revealed as a lie hundreds of times over. This page of fear, this invitation to hate our neighbors, these words live now because somehow we chose them. Boom. Mm. Such a powerful mm. piece on uh, taking personal responsibility. Absolutely. Uh, because we, all, we need you know, to. Right? All this finger pointing and you yes. guys are... No, uh, we're all culpable. Right. We are all culpable. And it points also to this idea of love and that being kind of the ultimate uh, goal of what we're, what we're after. Uh, in, it's the only solution. Right. It's the only solution. Um, and we know that. If you're just tuning in, this is host Lois P. Jones. I'm here with Pam Uchuk. Uh, she has just put out a fantastic anthology called Truth to Power. Uh, writers respond to the rhetoric of hate and fear. And uh, it says it's in a statement affirming the necessity of racial equality, gender equality, gay rights, Native rights, black rights, Latino rights, immigrant rights, uh, rights for people with disabilities, human rights, alternative energy sources, wilderness preservation, animal rights, and the end to corporate rule of our country. I mean, these are all like the hot, hot <laughs> buttons, right, uh, for, mm-hmm. uh, for, for all of us. <clears throat> well, they, they've all come just like a crucible. You can watch it. It's like being a chemist and watching all of these chemicals in one crucible being yeah. crunched together and ground down. Um, who knows what's going to happen, what kind of reaction we're going to have, mm-hmm. you know, as a, as a nation. Right. You know, what are we going to do? Are we going to have a civil war? Are we going to learn? Are we going to be able to grow? Are we going to be able to stand up and say no more lies? Yeah. We will not take any more lies. Who knows? So much of that is coming to the surface. I mean, mm-hmm. it's like there's these, there are many 
dichotomies happening all at once. Yes. And we're trying to reckon with these truths and the lies. And then you have this false media out mm-hmm. there and you're sifting through like what the alternative hell's going? facts. Alternative <laughs> facts. It's one of uh, my favorite about the, this, There's many communities have been compromised and of course those with a long history of struggle. Um and we have a VP who advocates shock Treatment uh, for conversion mm. therapy, as frightening mm. as Gerbil. Mm. Um, mm. And there's a, another poem I hope we can fit in um, by Fiona Martin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Fiona is a student at University of Tennessee, uh, Knoxville. This is her very first published poem. It is called The Future is Queer. Never mind that my parents never took me to church or believed in God. I still hear the words conversion therapy and think of my future because I don't know my past. My family, four fathers and four mothers and four queers, they were all murdered by laughter or therapy or the plague ushered in by the last actor come president. Never mind that you can barely clock me anymore, what with my longer hair and the guys in my bed. I still skitter into shadow and cry in the morning. They think we have a death drive because they say our sex can't create. They don't know how badly we want a future, how we would let ourselves become monsters to see what a tomorrow feels like. Mm. Yeah, very powerful. So poignant. Mm. Yes beautiful poem. It is beautiful. And um, and it helps us to inhabit the viewpoint. Mm-hmm. That's what this anthology does. There are so many views and perspectives. We need more viewpoints now, not less, right? And this is a real conversation, I think, between the viewpoints. Mm-hmm. The whole, it's like sitting at a kitchen table. You know, all of these authors are sitting at a kitchen table and, and conversing. That's mm-hmm. right. Absolutely. Um, and you mentioned also Rita Dove, mm-hmm. and um, she's, well, she's phenomenal. Mm. She is phenomenal. <laughs> mm-hmm. And there's so many incredible poems uh, that speak to her truth and our truth as well. Um, I don't know if you'd like to light on another poem? or Oh, I would love to okay, read this great. for Rita. Rita wrote this, um, Black on a Saturday Night There is no place for lilac or somebody on a trip to themselves. Hips are an asset here, and color calculated to flash, lemon bronze, charisse, in the course of a dip and turn. Beauty's been caught lying, and the truth's rubbed raw. Here you get your remorse as a constitutional right. It's always what we don't fear that happens. Always not now, and why are you people acting this way? Meaning we put in petunias instead of hydrangeas and reject acru as a fashion statement. But we can't do it. Because the wages of living are sin, and the wages of sin are love, and the wages of love are pain, and the wages of pain are philosophy, and that leads definitely to an attitude, and an attitude will get you nowhere fast, so you might as well keep dancing, dancing till tomorrow gives up 
with a shout, "'cause there is only Saturday night, and we are in it, "'black as black can, black as black does, "'not a concept, nor a percentage, but a natural law.'" A natural law, I mean to that. That's right. Uh, we're all part of Thank this. you, Rita. Yes. Thank you, Rita. Rita. Love to get Rita on here. Mm, she's fabulous. You should. Yeah. She's brilliant. Mm-hmm. And this book has uh, just been catching so much fire and attention. Um, yes. And you just mentioned a quote from someone uh, oh, that you from wanted to Margaret, <clears throat> share uh, with us. Yes, Margaret Randall sent me a wonderful email this morning. And so let me get that up from my computer because I, um, it's only a sentence. But Margaret Randall is a political activist, as most of you, maybe some of you know. And she has long fought for justice and equality on many uh, fields, especially uh, as, as pertains to immigrant rights and um, and the sanctuary movement. She was a big part of that. And she writes, uh, The look and feel of the book, the elegant design and well-chosen typeface, and of course most of the contents, are stunning. Importantly, it doesn't feel like an anthology hastily created following a socio-political disaster, but rather a reference for the ages, work that has lasting impact and value. Absolutely. Uh, lasting impact and value. And um, that is, in many ways, uh, definitely a flame, a way to uh, light us up in mm-hmm. positive ways, I think, mm-hmm. for listeners out there who are looking to connect uh, with words, with eloquence, and with action, because mm-hmm. there are a lot of pop-up groups now, mm-hmm. uh, Invisible mm-hmm. and meetups and things like that, yes. where people are saying, let's do something. Because you can't sit. If you sit, you feel worse. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. And so people feel in need for action, and this book is a call to action. Mm-hmm. And writers ways. are at the at the head of that uh, at the center as they usually are right mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. they can speak to those truths with mm-hmm. you know articulate those truths that we need yes. to hear like Paul Solan did in, did uh, against the Nazis in World War II oh, like yes. Pablo Neruda oh, did yes. in Chile I mean all over the world that's right it's Yevtushenko all kinds of people mm-hmm. and and he's and Neruda will re- be remembered mm-hmm. uh, for his stance, his political stance, uh, mm-hmm. as much as his poetry, I think, and so mm-hmm. beloved by the people. So beloved by the people. <laughs> they still can recite his poetry. <laughs> I know. It's great and to hear. Decades after his death. <laughs> your husband reading that fantastic uh, yeah. poem on the atom. Ode to the atom. Ode to the atom. Yes, and Bill just uh, published a uh, sublime blue in uh, translations of Pablo Neruda, the, um, the un- some unknown poems by Pablo Neruda, a little plug, but it's a really wonderful <laughs> book, and he worked 20 years on the translations wow. uh, with native speakers, and so they're, they're absolutely be- um, beautiful. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. Well, Neruda is here with us today. Neruda is here with us today. <laughs> Blessing this anthology <laughs> yes, and, uh-huh. and your presence here. Yeah. Uh, Pam Ushuk, we're so happy to have you <laughs> <laughs> with us in the cafe. Mm. Speaking of Neruda, we'd be so happy if you could take us out with a fantastic poem um, written by Dean Rader. America, I do not call your name without hope. America, I do not call your name without hope, not even when you lay your knife against my throat 
or lace my hands behind my back, the cuffs connecting us like two outlaws trying to escape history's white horse, its heavy whip, a pistol shot in the ear. Lost land, this is a song for the scars on your back, for your blistered feet and beautiful watch. It is for your windmills, your leavened machines, for your fists. It is for your wagon of blood, for your dogs and their teeth of fire, for your sons and the smoke in their hearts. This is for your verbs, your long lurk, your whirr. This is for you and your fear, your tar, for the white heat in your skin, and for your blue bones that one day may sing. This is for your singing. This is for the past, but not for what's past. This is for daybreak and backbreak, for dreams and for darkness. This song is not for your fight, but it is a song for fighting. It is a song of flame, but not for burning. It is a song out of breath, but a plea for breathing. It is the song I will sing when you knock on my door, my son's name in your mouth. Beautiful. Oh, that poem gives me chills. <laughs> Thank you for coming to You're the so cafe, welcome. Pam. This is host Lowe's P. Jones, and our guest has been Pam Ushuk. Thanks as ever to our producer, Marlena Bond. Look for us on the Poets Cafe fan page on Facebook. You've been listening to Poets Cafe on Pacifica Radio for all of Southern California 